Thanks for joining us for The Whole Spectrum. I'm Katherine Parks, and I'm here with my husband, Eric, to talk about what it means, in the words of Francis Schaeffer, for the Lordship of Christ to permeate the whole spectrum of life. And for us, our view of art in particular. We love to discuss the films we see from a Christian perspective, so we invite you to join us as we cover the whole spectrum of the movie world, from classics to independent films to blockbusters. Hey guys, we're so happy to be on the podcast to talk to you. It's been a little while. And how about those Oscars, Catherine? They were something. They were so crazy. I think uh, a lot of it was predictable. Um, but, you know, the very end, which, why don't you tell the quick story about how, how it ended up as they're about to determine best picture? Well, I'd love to. Uh... <laughs> Except you went to bed when the presumed winner, you thought La La Land no, no, was the winner. Not the presumed winner, the announced winner. Okay. They were giving their acceptance speeches. I was leaving at 4.30 the following morning <laughs> for a flight. True. So I say, adios, I'm going to bed. And I am getting in bed. And you come up there and say, well, I... I didn't actually expect Moonlight to win. I don't like that face you're making. It makes me look like I'm an idiot. <laughs> that was the face you were okay. making. And I said, and I, wasn't it so great that Moonlight won? And you're like, what? No, I said I was down there when they announced La La Land. I don't know why you're trying to trick me because <laughs> I already know the winner. And then you just keep on with this, what I assume is this, ridiculous lie that doesn't even make sense. But then you notice my wry smile. <laughs> <laughs> what does that even mean? I don't know, and I think I finally gave it away, and I'm like, no, I'm serious. Moonlight beat La La Land, and then I explained the whole situation. It was just goofy. But, um, yeah, so that was, that was the outcome. Um, but overall, I thought Jimmy Kimmel did a good job as host. Yeah, for the most part. I mean, there are a couple of moments I could have done without, but... I enjoyed the uh, people getting on the, the Hollywood bus and thinking they're going to a wax museum and then actually getting in there on stage or um, in front of the audience. That was pretty funny. Yeah. That way we know that Hollywood does really care about normal people like us. You so. saw it. They do, obviously. Obviously. Okay. Well, so on today's episode, we're going to go through our top 10. Now, if you've looked at my personal blog, you've probably already seen these. And that's fine, but we're going to go over them quickly um, regardless. And you'll, of course, want to hear Catherine's top 10. So, Catherine, why don't we go ahead and start with your number 10 favorite movie of 2016. Okay, but before we do that, we just need to let people know that we have not seen all the same movies. That's true. Sometimes I see movies without you like a jerk. Frequently you see movies without me. So sorry. No, it's just an arrangement we have. I get to stay home and spend quality time with the children, and you get Unbelievable. To Don't put that on me, movies. please. Um, so there might be some that would eventually make my list, but I haven't quite caught up on yet. Sure, And I've enough. seen some that you haven't seen. That's true. So that so, happens, too. Okay. Okay, you're number 10. Let's go. So my number 10 is Love and Friendship. Okay. It's a Jane Austen. Jane Austen adaptation. Kate Beckinsale is this amazing kind of anti-hero uh, trying to secure 
a favorable marriage for herself and her daughter in all of the worst ways. And she's just kind of delightful to watch in this horrible role. Yeah, well, it's a pretty, it's pretty wordy, the movie it is. is. Yes. So I, I was struggling a little bit in the first half of that movie, but if you can kind of get into the rhythms of how they talk, I think you'll appreciate it more and think it's funnier. But it, like I said, it took me a little while. Yeah, it's one I'd so. like to rewatch now that you know the yeah, plot, yeah. To just to kind of pick up on all of those little lines. Yeah, good, good 10. Your uh, 10? My 10 is Hail Caesar, the Coen Brothers' latest movie. You almost can't go wrong with the Coen Brothers' movie. Um, this one was not one of their bigger ones or highly rated ones. It didn't make a ton at the box office. But it's got a really great cast. Uh, George Clooney is one of them. And it's kind of this movie within a movie and there are a lot of interesting spiritual undertones that I really appreciated about it. So, Hail Caesar, Coen Brothers, my number 10. That is a good one. Uh, my number 9 is Sing Street. Oh, yes. Which I think maybe we've mentioned before, but it's taking place in 80s Dublin, and it's kind of a, a kid who's in high school. I assume it's high school. Yeah, yeah. in high school. And uh, starts a band, and it's just kind of got these delightful 80s um, montages and throwbacks to, like, Duran Duran and some of these bands. And um, it's made by John Carney, is that right? Yes, who directed Once and Begin Again to... We both really love those movies. Yeah, those have been enjoyable. So this was just a really fun one. Good, yeah. I, um, I wasn't allowed to be a part of the 80s. <laughs> um, because of my strict Christian upbringing. <laughs> well, you were also really young. That's true. Um, and you weren't really either, but maybe that's why you appreciated it, was getting to see some of this. The makeup, the hair, it's all so weird to me. It, it's weird because, we, yeah, we didn't live through it. Yeah, but the music was, was really fun in this. Um, okay, good. My number nine was Manchester by the Sea. If you want to weep your eyes out and then weep your eyes out some more, uh, that's what you're going to get. But the script is also really good, and I believe that won for Best Original Screenplay at the Oscars this year. And, um, yeah, Casey Affleck is amazing. Michelle Williams is amazing. It deals with grief and sadness. Um, but great performances and also a really witty script, which helped um, kind of stave off some of the bleakness. So that was my number nine. Yeah, that's one I haven't seen yet, and you claimed after you saw it you don't ever want to see it again, but maybe you're coming around. You'll watch no, it with I'll me. I'll watch it again with you. Okay, but it's going to be horrifying. No, now that I know what, what happened. No, but it's going to be horrifying for me. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay, great. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> My number eight was Midnight Special. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, this is Jeff Nichols' film who did Mud and Loving. And Shotgun Stories. And uh, we've Take really shelter. enjoyed yes, yes, good. many of his films. Um, and I wasn't sure what to expect from this. It's a little bit different, sci-fi. Sure, sure. But it really hit me hard. Um, gosh, it's like one you don't want to give away too much, but... Yeah, it's sci-fi, we'll say that. It's sci-fi, but it also, I mean, it's a parents dealing with their child and, and different painful circumstances and so as a parent it just really hit me. Yeah boy with with strange and powerful abilities has become the target of not only a religious cult that's after him but also the government. Sounds really weird but it's it's solid. Yeah it's, it was really good. Good choice. My number eight is the documentary from Netflix called 13th and this is um, from Ava DuVernay who directed Selma 
which was fantastic if you haven't seen that from a couple of years back. Um, it's about our prison system, how it's broken, how it affects African-American communities especially, and it all is kind of centered around the 13th Amendment to the Constitution, talking about how the U.S. has the biggest population of incarcerated people in the world, and we're not, you know, we're not the biggest country in the world, yet we have so much of the incarcerated population, and a lot of it is just geared toward money. Um, so, kind of sad, um, definitely eye-opening, heartbreaking, uh, but one that I think a lot of people should see. Yeah, and it was so well done. That was one that would yeah. have made my list, but I was com or I already knew that you had it on yours, so it made my honorable mentions. Yeah, but, good. But yeah. it's really good. Okay, uh, what's your number seven? Well, my number seven was Hail Caesar, which you've uh, already discussed. Good. So That's that was good another one. one that had a lot of kind of spiritual significance that I wasn't expecting. Yeah. And uh, but was also just really delightful. And as I was making my list. Two of the main criteria were rewatchability, which it doesn't have to be rewatchable, you know, to be the best film of the year. Yeah. But that was one thing I I kind of had in mind: is this is is this something I want to see again? Yeah. And then number two, um, and this is also not like the greatest artistic criteria, but just if it kind of gave me all the feels, <laughs> which <laughs> is not. No, that's a I. As I get older, I think emotion is more important to me in a film. Yeah, well, it's just a connection, like yeah. a personal connection with the film in a way that it's really speaking to you. So. Yeah, and that one, that surprised me, yeah. I mean, it's really funny, uh, but just the, the fact that there's kind of a Christ figure in there, and the movie they're making is called Hail Caesar, A Tale of the Christ, and, they, you know, it's kind of like a, a takeoff of Ben-Hur, I suppose, movies like that. It's kind of the sword and sandal epics. Um, but anyway, yeah, that one was kind of surprising and really good. Yeah. Okay, my number seven is A Monster Calls, which we did see that together. We I took off of work for like a three-hour lunch break one day, and we just went and saw it. Uh, it's a little boy who calls out to an imaginary tree monster <clears throat> what? to help guide him through his mother's sickness. Sounds really weird. It's a bizarre plot that we would not normally go see this kind of movie, but um, the tree monster is voiced by Liam Neeson, yeah, again, this one kind of surprised us a little bit. Um, this tree monster comes to tell three stories to this boy who's, who's grieving, who's sad. Um, and at the end of these three stories, the boy has to tell back to the tree monster this, this big truth about himself, and he's really struggling to do this. But it, uh, it kind of had us in tears, but it also was just an interesting look at um, coming of age and human suffering and how to maybe how to suffer with, um, I don't know, it, grace and compassion were a couple of the words that um, popped up in my mind through this. So seven was a monster calls for me. That one will make an appearance later <gasps> on my list. Oh. Spoiler alert. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Um, but my number six was silence. Oh, yeah. Nice. And I don't know if it's because I had just finished reading the book, like days before we saw the film. Yeah. Um, but be, because it was so close to the book, um, and this is, we've talked about this on a previous episode, but this is Martin Scorsese's, uh, Japanese, um, it's a story about priests who are in Japan in the 1600s and, yeah. um, it's a tale of suffering and, um, really faith in the midst of suffering, faith and doubt and all of that. Um, but because it was so close to the book. I was expecting more of like a an emotional connection, and I don't know if it was just all too familiar to me at that point. Yeah, and they don't do. There's no emotional manipulation. 
yeah. whatsoever. It's pretty austere, is that the word? Um, it, you know, they, they deal with some heavy things and human suffering uh, is one of them for sure. But it's, they're not going to guide you along with music, uh, violins at just the right moment to make you cry. It's, you know, I think you earn any, any emotion that's in there. You yeah. is definitely earned. Yeah. And so I, I knew it would make the list. I guess before I saw it, I thought maybe it would be higher on it mm. on my list. But I mean, it's absolutely well worth seeing. And we discussed it so much. And it's something that really sticks with you. Yeah. Okay. My number six was Loving. In 1958, Richard Loving, a white man, and Mildred Jeter, a black woman, quietly marry in Washington, D.C., and then come home to live in Virginia where interracial marriage was illegal. So that's kind of the crux of it, and then they end up having to battle the Supreme Court um, just to make their marriage legal uh, so they can live together in the, the state of Virginia and raise a family. Um, again, that was director Jeff Nichols, who also did Midnight Special. We may have talked about this on a previous podcast. You still haven't been able to see it yet. Correct. That's my fault. I went to a theater all by myself like a loser and watched it. But it's really good. A and, movie uh, about marriage and you watched it without I know. your wife. <laughs> so I can't wait for you to see it. <laughs> all right. Clearly you can. But. What is your number, f what are we on? Five. Five, five, go. My number five was The Innocence. <gasps> wait, wait, wait. My number five was The Innocence. <gasps> Stop it. Spoiler. Um, okay. Well, this is a French film by director Anne Fontaine. We? Oui. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> And Comment allez-vous? You can. Très bien. I mean, take it away if you want to Merci. give the plot. <laughs> no, please. <laughs> S'il vous plaît, you go. Uh, so it's the story. We've talked about this one too, but it's uh, a French, yes, like Red Cross worker mm -hmm. who is called to a convent, and World War Two. Yes, World War Two, and this is in. Poland, Ooh, I think Poland. Possibly? Yeah, they're Polish nuns. And so these Polish nuns, she finds out that several of them are pregnant. They've been raped by Russian soldiers. And so it's, it's her as an atheist or agnostic coming yeah. in. And um, so all of these questions of faith and suffering and the goodness of God are being played out in this just really terrifying, horrific circumstance, but in a really beautiful, touching way. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just read quickly from my... Um blog, I had said, for the, the safety of the nuns and their unborn children, contrasting worldviews must be put aside as differences give way to empathy and compassion. Um, so it's, it's a somewhat hard movie to watch, but wrestling through these big questions of, um, well, I was about to say, you know, the existence of God, but that's not even the case. It's just, let's break it down to humanity. These women are suffering. They've been mistreated so poorly. And, you know, at the end of the day, this, this doctor just needs to get in there and help and these ladies you know they're skeptical at first but um, by the end of it they're just so thankful for any help they can get uh, but also questioning why would God allow this this pain and suffering in their life yeah um, so you're seeing changes in her and changes in these women and it's yeah it's really well done yeah and the ending especially I think was really a beautiful beautiful coda so but we won't give away anymore okay your number Four. Four was La La Land. Oh, okay. I really loved it. I thought it'd be higher for you. Well, we'll get there. Okay. Um, yeah, I just really, I mean, we've talked about it. I really enjoyed it. I loved the ending, contrary to what oh, yeah, I, agree. I guess Good ending. a lot of people didn't like. But, um, but yeah, I think 
there was more depth to it than I expected and a, a lot we've discussed it and I've discussed it with lots of people and I read a million think pieces on it and I just think you know it, it could have been just fluff and it ended up being more than that and I really appreciated it. Nice good choice for number four. My number four is Lion starring Dev Patel and Nicole Kidman. It's based on a true story. Um, the film traces the life of a little five-year-old Indian boy named Saru and one day, through a terrible mishap, Saru is separated from his brother and ends up on a train that doesn't stop until he's hundreds of miles away from his hometown, his family, and everything he knows. And so <laughs> I'm, I'm literally reading straight from my blog, and you're laughing But at with, me. like, so much enthusiasm. I, it's it's I'm really hyper tonight. You're really tired, and it's just a weird mix, but it's fun. Uh, so, yeah, skip ahead to 25 years later, and um, Dev Patel is has been adopted, you know, when he was younger by... Uh, Nicole Kidman and her husband, but he wants to know his roots, wants to know his family, wants to go back and find his mom and brother. And so it begins this long journey um, using Google Earth, of all things, um, to make that happen. So it's really beautiful. Cinematography is great. The music is great. The acting is all very good. Um, so that one surprised me at how emotional it was. And I really want you to see that one, too. Again, by myself in a movie theater. <laughs> I had to squeeze it in right before the Oscars. So, um, but you'll like that I one. I think you're just afraid to cry in front of me. That may be it. I almost, I almost didn't like the ugly cry, like the <laughs> kind of thing in there, but I held yeah. it together. Okay, you're number three. My number three is Monster Calls. Oh, a little higher on your yes. list. Yes. Nice. And that was one I thought the preview was super weird and I didn't want to see it. Yes. But, I mean, it was a day date, so I'm not going to say no to that. So we went, and I almost did the ugly cry in there. <laughs> and for all the reasons you named, I mean, the art direction in it is just unbelievable. It's such a beautiful film. Yeah. There's some animated sequences that were just different, a little weird, but just really pretty, too. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, it, that's another one that just really hit me hard. And, um, I mean, you're watching, it, it's, it's sort of a older children's movie but it's got implications for everyone on suffering and I think there was a ton of spiritual significance yeah. in there um, I mean you could you could take something different from it but it's hard to imagine that that some of that wasn't intended when you're watching yeah it. and I think you and I both agreed we want to go back and watch that again obviously for the story but also just to pull out some more of the spiritual um, emphases we saw there with even the where the tree monster came from it seems like it was at a at a church mm -hmm. close to it the tree was close to a church but then also there was a graveyard so it's this con contrasting ideas of life and death all in one you know little square patch of land it was really interesting yeah there's a, a lot to it and that was one one of the reasons it made such a high spot on my list was because of the rewatchability factor yeah, yeah. good okay my number three is hell or high water um, this was Chris Pine, Jeff Bridges, there are a couple brothers who go on this bank robbery spree in Texas um, and basically they're trying to save their family farm after their mother has just died and she would kind of gotten suckered in to a, ver a reverse mortgage, you know, they don't have a lot of money. Um, but there's also an interesting scene too where there's this um, kind of health, wealth and prosperity preacher that Jeff Bridges, you know, grizzled old um, Texas Ranger character kind of goes after and is making fun of and anyway uh, so there are some interesting things like that but mostly it's just about poverty unfair lending practices and then the mess these boys get in as they're um, robbing banks and you know just trying to 
save their family farm. Anyway, one of the best scripts of the year, I thought, really a lot of action, but also really funny, and then a couple of really poignant moments. Um, so I think that was that was a really good one. So that's my number three. Good. I would love to see that one too. And it's one gonna day, happen. And one day, Lord willing, you will. <laughs> All right, number two. My number two is one that you haven't seen. <gasps> Booyah. Uh, O.J. Made in America. Oh, yes, O.J. Made in America. So this is the ESPN 30 for 30 five-part documentary. Seven-hour documentary? Yes, that won Best Documentary Yes. Uh, at the Oscars. And it was the, the thing I watched this year that really stayed with me and that I was just, my mind was blown. And it asked really hard questions, I feel like, of the viewer. I mean, it, it kind of puts you in this situation where, I mean, I, as a white person, am examining, well, of course I think this, doesn't everybody? And then you're starting to ask yourself, well, is that because I'm racist? I mean, it just makes you really ask yourself tough questions. And um, it's much more than just a documentary about this little, not little, but this event that happened. You know, it's... Yeah in scope it it covers so much and um yeah it was fascinating to me well a lot of it yeah it was about race in uh, the 90s and it still obviously really makes a lot of sense today too because a lot of things haven't changed and um you know the police the rodney king beating had just happened mm -hmm. what a year or two before that so people were still pretty up in arms about that so an interesting look at race i yeah. think well and, and it has a lot of um like you're saying i mean in some ways, you could say we're we're in the same place now, and in certain yeah. circumstances, and so yeah, it was poignant for the time in history in which we find ourselves. Yeah, nice. My number two is Arrival, um, starring Amy Adams and Forrest Whitaker and Jeremy Renner. Uh, you've probably seen the previews. It's sci-fi, but uh, twelve spacecraft land in different places all over the Earth, and the big question is: Are they here to um, just search things out, check it out, or are they here to kill us all? Um, and I, I'm not going to spoil it for, for you, but uh, yeah, you and I did see that together. I'm guessing that's going to make somewhere on your, uh, well, maybe your number one. Well, that's my guess. Either that or it's not on my list. Oh, that's true, but it's not. Um, now, now I'm really questioning. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, sci-fi, uh, aliens have landed, so they call Amy Adams in, who's a linguistic specialist, uh, and she's got to determine and decipher what in the world is going on with these things. So very interesting look at communication, how we communicate. Um, it's this big macro problem of we've got aliens on the <laughs> on our planet who may or may not be friendly, but also that's contrasted with the, the micro um, shot at this lady and her life and maybe some own, her own personal suffering going on. Um, but I really liked it. it. It was more emotional than I was prepared for. Um, yeah, so that's all I'll say right now about that. So my number one movie is Arrival. Oh, I can't believe it. <laughs> Such a nerd. Um, so... There's not much to say else about it. What? I'm sorry. Not, <clears throat> my throat is really... <laughs> I'm kind of a like, teenage boy tonight. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. There's not a lot else to say, except I will say that part of, I think, why it hit me so hard was the, the experience that we had in the theater. I'm sitting next to my pregnant sister-in-law, and from the very beginning, I mean, you know something has happened, and so as a parent, you're already 
kind of guarding your heart and preparing for something just terribly sad having to do with parenthood. And I was expecting the movie to be about aliens and communication, and it ended up being about so much more than that. Yeah. And that that hit me really hard. I mean, that was one that I could have just bawled my eyes out if I'd had time and yeah. enough darkness in the theater. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I would love to, to see it again, but I think it was fantastic. It's got so much to talk about, so much to unpack. Yeah, and it's, again, one of those we can't really talk about here. Yeah. Um, unless we do a very specific episode geared toward that. But yeah, the, um, at first I thought there was this great moment of grace. Uh, but then yeah, I can't. I really can't say anything about it. <laughs> just see it. And then we'll sure, just see it. come over and talk about it. All right. And then my, uh, my number one was Silence, um, which we've already talked about a little bit. I think it's a Scorsese masterpiece. It's not, maybe not just the most, I don't know. It wasn't just the greatest movie of all time, but I, I too had read the, the book uh, a year and a half ago, and it sticks pretty close to the source material, but the, the questions it makes you think about and wrestle with, um, I think are really, I think it's worth your time um, for that. So it's a slow movie, it's not gonna be everybody's cup of tea, but it's man, a lot to, like I said, a lot to deal with, a great conversation starter for um, the believer and the skeptic alike, I think. So that that's it. That's yeah. our top ten. But I mean, I had a couple of honorable mentions <gasps> I wanted to mention. Oh, girl, throw them out there. So I really enjoyed Hidden Figures. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I haven't seen that. You saw that. Yeah, that was maybe my eleventh. If I could have had an eleventh. Okay. Um, it was maybe just a little bit too like I don't know. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Schmaltzy, on the nose, saccharine. Okay, no, no. <laughs> Seen it. No, it was a little too, um, the phrase you've used is overproduced or it just looks too, too perfect or yeah. it's, um, I, it, it like was just a teeny bit too close to like uh, a Disney sports movie or, you know, something yeah. that. Well, it looks like it's, and those are the movies that I struggle with a little bit more, kind of the way I felt about Hacksaw Ridge, like a little too overproduced, like the lighting is always perfect. Mm -hmm. I mean, the war scenes, that's a little different. But every time they're in a building, there's like a beautiful ring of light around their hair um, and very slow, smooth camera movements, which is great, but it makes me feel like I'm watching a movie mm -hmm. as opposed to Manchester by the Sea, where maybe the camera's a little shakier, there's some more subtle lighting, and it makes me think, oh, this is real life. Yeah. Well, and there, I mean, there's so much triumph and so much joy and so much heartache, yeah. but it's it's not gritty at all in its production, yeah. which is, that's not what they were doing, sure. but maybe that's why it didn't resonate quite as much. And that will be a lot of people's cup of tea. They like the the Hollywood look, Yeah, and it's what a lot of people are used to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see that one too at some point, but um, yeah, I just haven't gotten to yet. Yeah. Um, also, we watched Fences, which I really enjoyed oh, and yeah. appreciated. Um, it didn't make the top 10, but that was one. And then you had me watch Cresha, which I didn't expect to like at all. It was not my favorite. And you did not like, but this is uh, a guy, Trey Edward Schultz is the director. It's his first pretty low budget. Super low budget independent film. And his aunt is the the star, the leading role, and yeah. it, the, the production, it's very weird, but it deals with um, alcoholism. 
addiction. And addiction. And uh, it just was unbelievable in the empathy that it gave me for the family members of someone struggling with addiction and the person who is battling the addiction. Yeah. And it's almost shot like a horror film in certain ways and, and very bizarre, but it just, that was one that I think will stick with me too. Yeah, it was kind of like a, a weekend. She came comes to visit her family on the weekend and uh, like Thanksgiving, I think. Yeah, she hasn't seen them in ages. And the whole movie's happening basically in one location. It's this house. Yeah. So it was interesting how they how they pulled that off and kept you interested, just not necessarily my cup of tea. But I'm, I'm glad you put that on there. Yeah. Uh, one of my honorable mentions was The Hollers. Um, John Krasinski from The Office, Jim from The Office, he directed this movie. It got terrible reviews. I think it was like 33% last time I looked on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, but you've now seen that one. We watched it together recently. Yeah, it's fun. It's so sweet. It's funny. It's heartbreaking. He goes home um, to see his mom who is sick and just, you know, family dysfunction, kind of dramedy. But I'm a little bit of a sucker for those, like Dan in real life and movies like that. So that was one of my honorable mentions. So I hope you guys will see The Hollers. It's really funny and sweet. Um, also, a couple shout-outs from the Facebook. Our buddy Andy said his favorite film of the year was Rogue One, which we didn't talk about, but our six-year-old agrees with him. Yes. That it's, was a fun one. I mean, I enjoyed it. Um, I don't. It's not one of my top Star Wars movies in the Pantheon, but it was certainly uh, it was fun. Yeah. Well, and it, it was uh, a really neat connection. You yeah, know? made some great backstory, yeah, and just came right in at the front of A New Hope. Yeah. Um, literally minutes. Well, I probably spoiled that. Now everybody's seen that. I mean, if you haven't seen it by now, it's not our fault. Yeah, sorry, people. Uh, also, Emily gave a shout-out to Finding Dory. Yeah, um, I didn't see that. You saw it, right? Yeah, yeah, and that was one that, you know, I think it was a great year for kids' movies. We enjoyed a yeah, lot of Zootopia them. Zootopia was Zootopia, fantastic. we loved. Yeah. Um, Moana was really enjoyable. I think we both really liked Pete's Dragon. Yeah. Uh, what else? The Jungle Book was great. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a really good year. Storks was not great. Not so good. <laughs> Anyway, but guys, thanks so much for listening. This was a little bit longer episode, uh, but thanks for sticking it out, and yeah. we'll catch you next time. Thanks.